everyone doing? What's up? I'm here. You know, <laughs> paused everything, just do this, and we're going back at it. So, as everyone knows, usually we have a guest on. Um, today we don't have a guest. Uh, we kind of got schedules mixed around. Uh, coming back from the Fan Expo, which we all went to, the Chicago Fan Expo. Um, so we decided to get together and just do this, the three of us, the uh, founders and or members of Role Playing Degenerate. So everyone out there expecting a really cool guest like we usually have, um, it's just a group of degenerates out here. So um, the first I'm thing only I'm mildly w- offended by that. <laughs> Um, the first, the first thing I would like to talk about is the Fan Expo. So for those of you who don't know, and some of you that do know, since you saw us there, uh, and you got to hang out with us and play some games with us and just talk to us, um, Role Playing Degenerates went to the Chicago Fan Expo, which was our first time. Um, and I have to say it was really good trip. How'd you guys feel about it? It was really fun. Um, and I'm glad I got to see Papa Lycan, Mr. Dandy, D&D Nerd Girl, her friend Jordan, um, and everyone else that we met, met over there. Uh, I'm definitely forgetting some names. Um, I know you by your cosplay or by your nickname I've given you. And uh, thanks for meeting me and having a great time with us. So. Yeah, I thought it was was cool to get to meet other uh, you know content creators and then a lot of the little shops and and artists. Um, you know, we talked to uh, Quest Bros did their improv D and D panel out there. Um, who they're scheduled to be on the podcast here and next week, I think actually. Uh, but it was cool to meet some other D and D enthusiasts and TTRPG enthusiasts, even though Fan Expo is more of a comic-con than a gen con it was a good experience uh we we got meet misty mountain gaming that was really cool um collabing with them uh there is a medical artist uh kato what's up if you're watching uh glad we met you can't wait to work with you in the future um and there's a couple other ones that we got your business i can't remember them but it was glad yeah it was great thank you uh Imagining Games, Chew Games, um, they did the Rest in Pieces. We got to talk to the creator of that game and played that, and that was a lot of fun. That was a, a good experience, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to some of those those highlights we just mentioned a little more in depth in a second. Um, but overall, it was kind of bittersweet because we saw a lot of really cool stuff. Like we mentioned Rest in Pieces, Chew Games, um, a lot of vendors we wouldn't talk to, but I was actually pretty surprised, and I would like to hear you guys' thoughts on this, is the lack in D&D culture at a fan expo. Um, so, Chris, we'll start with you. What did you think of the lack of D&D there? I mean, honestly, I was kind of shocked by it. Um, like, I understand that fan expo uh, is the offset of what was Comic-Con, right? So it's more of a pop culture uh, movies, animes, some video game stuff. It's not really geared towards the TTRBG, but with D&D being as big as it is, uh, and growing constantly due to, you know, uh, Dimension 20 and Critical Role, stuff like that, I expected more of a presence. Uh, and for it to basically only be us and Quest Bros was, it, it blew me away. Um, but there's definitely, I think, you know, that's an opportunity that could be explored for sure. 
Yeah, Cisco, what about you? Um, I was honestly just as surprised as Chris, and thank, I, I'm actually kind of glad that we were basically the two major D&D, um, well, I guess, improvers and uh, podcasters, people that I do out there, but like the only other D&D-related stuff was Dice and Minis. There was a couple of Minis places, but it was mostly a side hustle for the Minis. It was when they were in the Dice shop, so... Yeah, even the main mini shop was was Misty Mountain Gaming, who yeah. is a dice shop. <laughs> and they didn't have like like no, no offense to them, but they have very many minis, <laughs> many minis. Um, and uh, so I feel like we were able to stick out like a sore thumb, which would benefit us in the long run. Uh, and I hope that we can continue to go to Fan Expo and stick out like a sore thumb and bring something to the table, literally next uh, next year. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, it was interesting. We we were walking around and it was on the floor, like on the floor, we were like the only ones that I, I, I knew of people talking to D&D about. We saw multiple people who saw our shirts. Uh, we were wearing role-playing degenerate shirts and they talked to us about D&D. Oddly enough, a lot of the people there that were talking to us about D&D were selling something had nothing to do with D&D. Um, so we were talking to critters and people who never uh, ever or don't sell the D&D stuff, or even are in that space, artists, things like that. So it was cool to connect with people, like, on a on a different plane almost. Like, they're here, we're, they're here for this thing, we're talking to them about D&D, and it felt, like, really organic. And that part was really cool. So for any content creators, micro-content creators, and what I mean by that is anybody around the 10,000 to 50,000 followers on any social media... Maybe check one of those out because you actually might be surprised at how much you connected with people. Uh, Cisco, were you were you surprised by the amount of connections we made this weekend? Yeah, and it felt very uh, natural at first. You know, we it's, well, I mean, we're all new to like connecting. It's different to connect over a social platform, uh, message, you know, slide into them DMs. Because guess what? The worst thing somebody says is no, that you completely don't know at all. You haven't even seen their face, um, and but in person it's crazy like it just starts you know coming out and it doesn't stop <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> uh apologize uh but once it did the nerd community is just crazy how how like genuine they feel and nice um of course there's like maybe one or two incidents out there of people stealing and stuff but they were willing to listen to you and very genuine. And actually there's people, majority of the people we talk with contacted us or joined in the discord or, uh, followed us on all our socials. And we weren't even trying. Uh, we were just walking around having a good time. Yeah. Chris, what did you, you think about the connections we made and, and how like Cisco alluded to how kind of easy it was to connect with people after the, the session, because usually you try to connect with people or, you know, as we know, you send DMs out there and it's just you never get a response or you just never connect with people. But here, almost everybody we talk to on a personal level is either going to be on our podcast, wants to do something with us in our future, or joined our Discord. What was your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised across the board, to be honest with you. Um, like to start, like I don't do good in large crowds of people. It gives me like almost crippling anxiety to be in large groups of people like that. 
And I was surprised that um, despite the fact that it was shoulder to shoulder through a lot of the areas there, I never bothered me at all because everybody was just so polite and so nice and so willing to, you know, have a conversation or share information or whatever. And then as far as, you know, you said um, the people that we did connect with actually followed up on those those connections and you know responded to our messages and our emails and reached out joined the discord whatever and i think that a lot of that has to do with that personal connection like tyler mentioned is you're more inclined i think to do that to have that follow-up if you meet somebody face to face because you're able to get a read on them as a person right it's not letters on a screen you know you're actually having that conversation and building that connection and we were able to do that with a ton of people uh and it filled our podcast out all the way through August. You know, we're looking at the September dates now um, after one weekend of meeting people, which is huge. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who are kind of wondering, or those of you listening, we've kind of talked about this offline. We want to do panels and we want to do way more uh, in-person stuff because I think we all agree that 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 interperson- interpersonal connection, when you actually meet people and talk to people, it's so easy to connect. Um, and one of those connections we made before we talk about the big Ahsoka thing, which was like my favorite part of the weekend, one of the uh, connections we made was with um, uh, Rest in Pieces. Uh, who are the gamers? Who, who makes that again? The Chew Games? Yeah, Chew Imagining Games. games? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we met with a maker of Rest in Pieces and for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's a role-playing game, but it's very rudimentary and very simple in that you're basically... You play a character that is the flat mates or the roommates in a studio apartment, a fictitious studio apartment where you are a roommate to the Grim Reaper or Death. And um, we didn't play it right. It was fun. You know, nonetheless, it was super fun. Um, but we got to talk to the creator of the game and um, we're in contact with him and hopefully we can get more insight on the game and we're going to be playing it. So... Um, Rest in pieces. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know what? What? Who? Who bought the game originally when we were there, and and what do you guys think about the game? We'll start with you, Chris. Matt bought the game when we were there, um, right. and then I think somebody else turned around and bought it as well. I think it was Dakota. Yeah. So two people ended up buying the game. One was you know so we could play it, and then the second person bought it because we had so much fun playing it. Um, but yeah, I mean. For as simple as the game was, and as little prep time as it takes to play, it was an insane amount of fun for being the weird combination of like a card game slash role playing game slash Jenga. You know, like like you said, we didn't play it right at all. <laughs> <laughs> we we had no idea what we were doing, and it was still a total blast. And I can only imagine it gets more fun if you know how to use the cards the right way. Yeah. Cisco, what'd you think of it? Uh, I had a blast. Um, to be honest, I think we all just had fun because we were drinking minus. Well, Steve was drinking, but it's Budweiser Zero. And, uh, oh, by the way, there. Budweiser Zero. If you ever watch this, I'm your boy. Um, it's cool, refreshing, and it comes in a white can. I mean, if anybody needs to be a spokesman for Budweiser Zero, it should be me. <laughs> uh, we were all drinking, uh, and we were just literally just role-playing ridiculous characters um and that's just kind of what it made it fun and we played a little bit of the rules 
but we I think we made the game last three times longer than it was supposed to. Uh, yeah, we definitely did. Um, and for those of you uh, listening, to better explain this, you have cards that you get and a Jenga, uh, a Jenga board, a J- pretty much just Jenga, Jenga blocks. And um, your fate is decided by selfish and unselfish acts where you pull those blocks and those blocks become your buying power to do certain things to your neighbors in the game. Um, we didn't do that. We basically just played D&D and role played and ran arbitrarily took blocks out and didn't know what to do with them. Um, but nonetheless, it was super fun. And uh, when we learn how to play the game a little better, I think it'll be it'll be pretty cool. Um, so let's talk about the Ahsoka incident. Uh, if you guys don't mind, because it was my favorite portion of the weekend. Uh, so, uh, Sokotano is a character in Star Wars Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels. They're both animated series on Disney+. Uh, she also makes an appearance on The Mandalorian. And as fans know, she's going to have her own series, I think, dubbed Ahsoka. And it's basically, for lack of a better term, it looks like Rebels Season 5. So... Um, which is like my favorite show, so I'm really excited about it. But basically, Ashley Eckstein, who voice is the voice actor for Ahsoka Tano, was there with the voice actor for Anakin, which I forget his name off the top of my head, but they were both there in a dual panel. Um, and I got the opportunity to go, you know, speak, or not speak, ask a question at the panel. Um, so for those of you who have seen our TikTok recently, we have a couple of videos coming out, and one of them is uh, me talking to Ahsoka. There's more to come. Super good experience. Uh, what did you guys think of the the, the panel, and what did you guys think of like the curricular activities during um, the fan expo? Well, I'll start with you, Cisco. I want to say the improv D and D was probably my was my favorite. Um, close second was Ahsoka, not because I'm a Star Wars fan and I haven't watched the full series, and I'm sure it's great. Uh, by the way, Steve talks about it. But to catch Steve's face while he was talking to uh, Ashley Eckstein was priceless. And I was, I'm was i happy that me and Chris, mostly Chris, brought it up. And I was like, oh, I'll just execute uh, and get that video for him. And that's a moment Steve won't forget for the rest of his life. And, uh, and doing improv D&D was really cool because at first it felt very... Um, Mono, Monto, Mellow. Uh, it seems like people weren't going to get too into improv D&D, but I was the first person they called on. And I brought the boulder and, uh, as, as my uh, entry character to see if I could get on stage, which proceeded to get everybody else minus two people to do voices and like get really into it. And I'm glad I could set that tempo, uh, even though I didn't get a play, but I set the tempo for the whole room. And brought the best out of everybody. And it definitely showed when everybody was on stage. It was amazing. Yeah, Chris, what did you think of the, the D&D improv? Because we'll roll into that. Uh, I mean, that was was so cool. Um, huge shout-out and huge props to the guys at, at Quest Bros that put that on. Um, and I, there was some confusion between a lot of us about what to expect going into that improv D&D panel because there was, like, no information given from Fan Expo as to what it would be. Um, so I actually used Reddit <laughs> to get a little bit of information on it, so I kind of knew what to expect, but it even still wasn't what I was expecting. Um, the way that they, you know, they gave a question and they 
had three people from the crowd answer the question and then had the crowd choose which of those three people would play that party member and then, you know, that villain. And then it was as simple as giving a scenario and then having them roll a d20. You know, old school, just role-playing, straight role-playing. It was super fun. I had a blast. Um, you know, the first day getting to see Claire, um, she had never played D&D before. And she got to get up there on improv D&D at Fan Expo in front of a room of 50 to 100 people and have that be her first D&D experience is so cool to me. And I will personally never forget that because that's one more person that is going to be hooked on D&D for the rest of their life because of that one awesome experience in a room full of awesome people. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you to kind of more elaborate more on the situation, there was a I don't know how old she is, but there was a, a young woman who uh, had a level of nervosity when she like did an audition period because there's an audition period where three people get up and they audition for certain parts in 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 uh, in the game, and she auditioned for the healer, um, and she had like a level of nervosity when she did it, but she she pulled through and ended up being pretty funny for the audition and got on there. Um, and the first couple of questions, she was so distracted by being up on stage that she just couldn't quite say anything um which which was uh which is already like nerve-wracking for somebody but not only did she push through and start saying stuff she ended up being a sleeper and being hilarious i mean really really funny uh and she she kind of took a spin of the healer had a quasi medical degree that maybe might not hold up in the court of law but she had a good lawyer so I have a good lawyer. <laughs> yeah, so so it ended up being like a really really hilarious bit that she did improv. And then at the end of it, she she asked if she could say, you know, a word and they gave her some time to say something and she said this was her first time ever playing D&D. Um and she had a really good time, which blew it. we were all floored. We looked at each other like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, not only is this her first time, but she got on stage. She was kind of eating, you know, plates of shit the first two little sessions and then she ends up killing it like really killing it and it was one of those moments she's like man this was like something special to see and the reason it was so special was because um um quest bros put this on and it's just a real you know i just really loved it because it's it's D at its fundamental level whenever you want to do something you have to roll for it and there's this level there's this this you get this feeling of like well what's going to happen and ones and 20s have never been funnier especially in the order that they came so Absolutely. I thought it was I thought it was amazing. I thought we saw every range of emotion, uh, you know, a confident person with a German accent, you know, uh, Claire's story where she like overcomes everything, gets up there and kills it. And then you had a, a little kid who just wanted to do everything. Like he dies and comes back to life simply because he says it and rolls a natural 20. Um, That's so good. So good. Yeah. I and, mean, and I think it's it's also a great example. Like if there's anybody out there listening now that has never played D&D has thought about it and just never pulled the trigger because they didn't know what to expect or they didn't have a group play or maybe they're a little bit nervous and shy about it. Like just do it, pull the trigger, get in there, play some D&D because you will not regret it. I've not met one person ever who has tried D&D for the first time and not immediately fallen in love with it. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really special game. I mean, that's why we have this podcast. We talk to everybody on the podcast about what makes it so special. Um, 
And I was actually surprised by some people we met there. They were they were afraid to do. We've met people who've been playing for years, and they're afraid to do a Discord game because it's a new group. Um, for those of you out there, get on our our uh, Discord, uh, Roleplay Degenerates. Get on the Ages of Vinor. Get on one of these Discords who are you know holding these games. Just play. They're it's a, a really good community out there. I think everyone should just play. Um, Cisco, you were going to say something. Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. Make sure you jump in Discord if you've never played before. Um, I haven't been to a Discord that is uh, not welcoming in the D&D community. And if you find that Discord, you let me know. I'll go, I'll go jump in there and take care of it for you. No, no big deal. No big deal. Barbarian but, style. Barbarian style. And then, uh, but you know what? Fuck. And if you're, if fuck that, if you don't feel comfortable with that, and you've met us and you like us, come to our Discord. We'll walk you through it. It's no big deal. Um, I can run a game. Uh, I ran a game uh, over Fan Expo. And it was basically all improv. Everything I written. And very little that I've written never really happened, so. <laughs> um, but I, you know, uh, Steve will probably, oh, Steve's busy, but he might, he might slide into one shot here and there, but Chris loves run, running games, uh, and we have other people that want to run games, D&D Nerd Girl, Cherish, um, we're talking about it today, and it's a very welcoming community. And if you want to take baby steps, there's other ways of doing it, we can talk about it, it's no big deal. Well, and we've got a ton of new players in our Discord, too. Yeah. And, and very welcoming Discord. We kick out anybody that's a problem. And we've only had one problem. And we didn't even have to kick them out. Left them on its own. Yeah. Um, so for those of you out there who want to play online, there's free games everywhere. Um, just contact us if you want to ask about it. Uh, moving forward, though, let's talk about um, Wizards of the Coast had a random weird announcement. Um and it was basically um, Wizards of the Coast met for lunch. The the writers and the owners of of what's coming next in D and D, they met for lunch to talk about the sixth edition and when it will happen. Um, it's not going to happen anytime soon since they're literally just now discussing it. They, there's been murmurs of it, and people thought like, "Oh, it's 2024." It's f- super far away from 2024 if they're just talking about it now over a lunch um so let's talk about sixth edition i i'm a huge fan of 5e um personally i think they did so many good things with it uh after talking to a bunch of people but what are some things in the 6e that we could expect or maybe need to surface uh chris what do you think about 6e and what that means for the future man honestly that's that's like a really tough talking point for me uh because like you said i think 5e they hit the nail on the head you know it's it's the perfect blend of being easy to learn for people who've never played before um, but still having those layers of complexity that you can get into for more experienced players Uh, i don't think they need to do much to it you know can you really improve something it goes back to the old adage if it's not broke don't fix it right yeah so my biggest concern is what are they going to end up doing from 5e to 6e? It's actually going to maybe break the game. Uh, the only thing I could think of is like maybe change around uh, some of the proficiencies and ability checks a little bit. Um, Cause I know that that's kind of a gray area for a lot of DMs is what checks do you use? What checks do you not use? Um, is it strength? Is it dex? Um, and then there's the huge argument of rules as written versus rules as interpreted. 
you know, yeah. all of that is kind of convoluted. Um, but uh, again, if they delve too much into that and make it any more strict where it's absolutely rules as written, then a lot of the stuff that makes D&D fun kind of goes away. Uh, so in my opinion, the best thing that they could do is leave it alone, you know, leave it as it is, maybe overhaul a couple of things, small things, but the game damn near perfect in my opinion. Yeah, I think I I think me and you share a lot of the same feelings, um, but the, you know the promising thing is like usually an edition lasts about ten years. Um, we're gonna be hitting ten years in, in what two years now, a year and a half, and they're just talking about they're just talking about the sixth edition, which means it's years like four years away from even if they started today, it would take forever, obviously. Um, so I think they I think they're probably thinking the same thing. They'll probably come out with like an ex, you know expound upon rules package which has other things in it to sell. I mean, they're selling things left and right. I mean, they got good content. Spelljammer, uh, Mordekin's Monster Manual, that came out with all the playable races. I think that's really cool. Um, Cisco, what do you think about 6E? What can they do better? Uh, or will they be a 6E? Because we might see a 4th edition. If they try to go too far one way or the other, we might see a 4th edition problem. And everyone just opens the book and then closes the book and then never talks about it again. Um. So... There is a couple things I'd like to see. Uh, I love 5e the way it is. Uh, but dabbling into creating a character in Pathfinder. This is um, what I like about the old system. Uh, is that the customizability. the uh, Being able to reach and get more feats and ability scores. And uh, it feels more customizable as a character. Like you can really... You can really, uh, really get into your character a little bit more, but uh, that's not as big of an issue as I think as like the checks things. I think there should be maybe different uh, strength checks because there's only one strength check right now, and that's athletics, and that's the only strength check you see. There's other ways of doing it. Um, I think they're, I think you can break down athletics into something else. Uh, but uh, that's up to them. I'm sure they got all the money and all the... They got more brains than three, or two and a half, including me, uh, to make this game better. Um, but you can't get much better than it is. It is what it is. I think they should just expand off what they have now and just continue to span forever off like they did on, uh, on uh, Pathfinder, basically. Just keep on expanding and expanding. Just don't stop. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at it from a business standpoint, it's probably less that they feel that there's a need to overhaul the system and more a need that they want to generate new sales, right? Because at a certain point, sales for something like D&D are going to taper off. Uh, and they saw a surge when Critical Role hit big a couple years ago where a bunch of new people came in and bought books uh, and then they lost a bunch of sales because of D&D Beyond uh, and which... Just a few months ago, they went out and they acquired D&D Beyond. So I think that they're looking at it from a financial standpoint. Now that they've acquired D&D Beyond, uh, what can they do to generate new sales for books, right? And the easiest thing, well, maybe not the easiest thing, but the most effective way to, to push that, to push sales of players' handbooks, dungeon masters' guides, monster manuals is a new edition. You know, it 
forces people to need new everything. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that from that standpoint. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it, uh, for those of us who are playing Five E, there's there's a lot of there's a lot out there in Five E. I think it's the most expansive book series as far as rules and stuff you can get out there. Uh, Pathfinder has like two books total. You know, three point five. You got a couple editions of things come out, but like Five E, I mean, you have you could probably count like twelve source materials that will legitimately help you look at fizz bins um you're looking at forgotten realms looking at so much stuff so for those of you uh who always want to stick to 5e i think there's actually enough material out there you could live in 5e till you know we retire honestly so it's it's good it's good in that case because i like all the the content out there in case someone wants to be like i'm gonna play 5e 20 years from now there's enough scrolls out there if you keep the books you could 100% play 5e for the rest of your life. So for those of us who want to keep playing 5e, it doesn't matter. Um, but it is interesting. They did have a luncheon t- yesterday or the day before. They did talk about 6th edition. Um, and we'll see what happens with it. Who knows? Uh, but if we're playing 5e when 6th edition comes out, we're playing 5e. Uh, free game still. So moving on to... Uh, I, I wanted to surprise you guys with a new idea live that I thought of uh, right before the podcast. All right, all right. So I haven't talked to – we talk about everything together for everyone who doesn't know. Uh, anytime we have an idea, we text each other or whatever. Um, but this one we haven't talked about. So let's talk about potentially doing a Vox Mock and a watch party uh, every episode when it comes out. I love it. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm full. So how do we do it, though? Do we just start rec- from episode one and, cr- and the campaign three and catch up? Or do we just do it live? Uh, You're talking pro- – season two of amazon right yeah whenever that one comes out oh are you oh you're talking about the okay never mind yeah i'm talking about the show the the show show um not not, 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 my my brain said critical role yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um so (laughs) uh, that that was the impromptu idea i had five minutes before this so for those of you who want to see us our reactions obviously we can't play the the vox machina but we can see our reactions to vox machina which will be genuine and pretty cool, um, seeing how we're big fans. So um, that's my bright idea for today, uh, is to do that. Yeah, I love it. You'll probably see a lot of me doing the, uh, oh, shit, pointing at yeah. the screen. Because um, as someone who did watch that whole campaign yeah. uh, of Critical Role, like seeing the similarities between the show and the campaign is the most fun part for me. You know, which evidence of that by the work I put in to make the TikTok videos, which are low quality, but still fun to make either way. Um, but they did a great job of, of staking to the campaign with that animated series. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. And I watched up to a hundred episodes, right? Right until Keyleth jumped off the cliff and should have died. Um, <laughs> that's where I stopped because. Spoilers. <laughs> Okay, if you haven't seen it in seven years, that's your fault. <laughs> uh, you won't even know what happened. Uh, but at that point, I was just like, I don't know, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, but, and that's alluded to, though, in the later campaigns as well. You know, they make that joke. Like, all the time. Oh, we're basically superheroes. We can just jump off this cliff. You know, like, yeah. 
the joke is fine now, but in the moment, I was pissed. I was like, you need to die. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like Keyleth. I, personally, I didn't like Keyleth as a character, so I really wanted to see her die. So <laughs> I am offended. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Grog, Grog and Scanlan all day, baby. Oh, yeah, Grog was great. Scanlan's great. Percy's, honestly, I don't think there was a single character that campaign that I didn't enjoy. Uh it was it was all fantastic. It's such a good campaign. It, yeah, um, can't wait to see what happens next with it. Um, there is some more exciting news that we do know. Everyone here knows, um, and I kind of wanted to bring it to light. And that is, C4 Labs has almost become a sponsor. I don't know if you want to call it that, um, but for those of you who are, who are wondering, I have been a huge fan of Chris's dice tray. Um, I saw it first when Chris brought it. Uh, I think to one of our games, I just kind of took a glance at it. I was like, oh, that's a really nice dice tray. And then I saw it again when another player had taken it to my table. And I got to looking at it more, and he left it at my house for a couple weeks, and I kept rolling dice on it, and I just loved it. Well, then I had a new group of players play. And this is where it really caught me, this dice tray. is It's labeled, uh, it's got the labels for every sided dice you have on the side um, in... Uh, numerical order so d4 is on top and then ascending to a d20 on the bottom they even have the percentage die if you want to roll a d100 two d10s which i love because i had new players and i didn't have to say um they would ask me like, what's what's a d12 or what's a d10 well, one of my players had it brand new and he could just pick it up from that area roll it and then put it right back in um so i just gave a shout out to c4 labs and i said hey i'm gonna do a review on this because i genuinely think this is the best one out there because it solves such an easy problem and it looks amazing uh it's just clean it looks good so for those of you who don't know c4 labs has a really good dice tray um with numerical die on one side and it looks really good and they just dropped a leather back and a uh, ice cream uh melting ice cream d20 backing for it as well looks really good um, so you can use promo code RPD15 right now uh, to get 15% off on those. So if you guys are watching, use that promo code. Um, like I said, we're not really sponsored by them. I, we just genuinely think it's the best dice tray out there. Um, I love so. their products, man. They've got so much more cool stuff than just the dice tray, too. Uh, like you said, I've got the, the tray um, that's got the acrylic and the wood and the felt, and it's it's kind of minimalist. It's super nice to roll on. It's easy to travel around with. Uh, but then I've also got a couple of their coasters that have the D20 with the acrylic. And then the coaster has a little spot where you can put extra D6s in it or whatever. Um, they've got dice drawers. They've I was got, just about to say that, yeah. Yeah, yeah they've got rolling right towers. They've got anything that you need for D&D. Uh, look at C4 Labs. And they've it, got it and, all. And it's not just like separate rolling towers. They have rolling towers attachments for the C4 yeah, lab. Attached to it, yeah. yeah. Attached to it. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Uh, and they're yeah. not expensive. They're a good price, too. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're very reasonable. Oh, for sure, because there's some of them out there who are just like a box uh, with nothing nothing to hold your dice. It just sits in the tray, and they're the same price. And it's that, like, come on, dude. Yeah, the, the Elderwood Academy stuff, like, the quality is beautiful. But, like, for what it is, I'm not paying $120 for a wooden box with four magnets in it. I'm sorry. If I wanted that, like, I could make that myself. Yeah. Like, not to toot my own horn, but I've got the experience and the skill to do that. Um, but the work with the acrylic and the felt and the laser engraving and everything that they do at C4, that's, I can't do that. And it's gorgeous. 
Yeah. It has like a nice, lovely glowing effect. Yeah. 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 You can't see it. Yeah, the the way the light hits the hits the acrylic, it, it makes it look like it's turned on sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool. C four, you guys did a great job. Um, so I want to give them a shout out. Uh, and let's move on to Stranger Things. I this new season of Stranger Things. I don't. I, I talk about it on my podcast sometimes, but I should dig dig down deep into it. A big th- a big fan theory out there is it's going to end. Uh, it's going to end with the creators, uh, the end, whatever the end is, uh, whoever, you know, Eleven dies, Vecna dies, whatever happens, they're going to have an ending and it's going to zoom out. And when it zooms out far enough, they're going to end up screen going black and then it's going to end up being, an excl- you hear an explanation of the ending uh, in real time and it zooms out to the D&D table of the Duffer Brothers when they're kids. It is the, that would like, be so cool. It oh, is like man. it's like the the theory everyone keeps talking about. It's got brought up in a couple of interviews. Um, if you are going to make D and D in a TV show, this is it. I mean, I know they talk about it, which is cliche kind of, but if you look at it, it's legitimately a four part campaign series with every arc a different year. You have the Mind Flayer arc, you have the Demogorgon arc, you have the Vecna arc. Um, what do you guys think about Stranger Things? And obviously, Stranger Things in a Critical Role are probably like the ones you know, the boosters of D&D recently. So what do you guys think about that? We'll start with you, Cisco. Let's not talk about the latest season because I'm only a couple of episodes. So. Shut your whore mouth. That's a sin. <laughs> uh, I, I've done my research. I've seen a couple clips, the good clips. So bear with me. I'm a busy fella. Uh, but, yes, Critical Role Stranger Things, definitely the best thing that's probably happened to D&D in the last, what, 10, 15 years? Uh, probably since 4E, or since the release of 5E. And then, um, I don't, like, I don't know how to explain it when I'm watching Stranger Things, is that I just feel like I just need to play D&D while I'm watching it. Like, <laughs> like I, I, that's how I feel when I'm playing D&D, is that I'm living it. So, especially with good story writers, like, uh, Steve and Chris here. Uh, it's, you can't beat it when you're playing a game like that. And uh, certain things definitely puts it in perspective as how it would feel to play D&D. Someone that's never ever played. If you can get the hint. Some people can't. Yeah. Chris, what did you, you think about Stranger Things and, and what it's meant for D&D? Well, I think... Uh... What Critical Role did for D&D for the older crowd, so to speak, um, I think I think Stranger Things is drawing in a much younger crowd into D&D, people who've never played D&D before. Uh, you know, my 11-year-old kid, um, Stranger Things is what triggered him to ask me about D&D uh, because the show is just so good, you know. And it just continues to get better. And you can watch the entire series and not know that it's a D&D show. You know, like, if you've never watched Stranger Things, go watch it. It doesn't matter if you like D&D or not. You won't know that it's a D&D show while you're watching it. But if you're a D&D fan already, you're going to pick up on that Mind Flare. You're going to pick up on that Vecna, you know, the Lich. Like, you're going to pick up on that stuff. And you'll get those little 
nuance Easter eggs, if you will, throughout the series that are dropped by all the characters, and it's super cool. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, going into the, the most recent season without, you know, giving any spoilers away, um, I think that the best thing that they might have done so far in that entire series was the introduction of Eddie Munson. Um, because I think that that is a more <clears throat> multi-layered uh, multi-layered approach than what many people see it as. A lot of people see it as Eddie Munson. We love him. You know, the DM. Awesome. You know, the, the mentor to these kids. Cool. But like Eddie Munson is really like, he's the kid that was singled out as the freak in high school because he played D and D. He was singled out as the Satanist in the eighties during, you know, the satanic panic because he played D and D like they're showing that a lot of people throughout their lives have played and loved and lived this game and have been ridiculed and targeted and, and misrepresented because of it, because people don't understand what the game is. And they showed that despite all that, like Eddie is an amazing person. You know, any one of us would be best friends with Eddie Munson. Like he is a God (laughs) among a lot of, a lot of the fan base. Right. Uh, and I think, a lot of people are, it's cool that so many people have become such big fans of the show uh, because of Eddie Munson and so many people identify with Eddie Munson, but I think a lot of people might be overlooking some of the depth of that character that the Duffer Brothers really put into it. Yeah, and, and for those of you who don't know, uh, Chris is, is speaking about the Satanic Panic, the early days of D&D, um, and I've talked to a guy from How to Be a Great GM, and he kind of lived those days, um, and it was very much like hard for them whereas for us it's like cool to play D, um or a lot cooler at least so yeah that's a very good distinction i didn't think about until you said it but that's exactly what his character is um and he ends up you know against all odds being the hero in all of it um at the end anyways uh with the coolest rock solo like ever made but oh my yeah. god that's so good yeah that's that's a that's a good that's a good point you're making um I'm going to have to mull that over for a few days because I only looked at him as being Eddie Munson, the DM. So I'll have to go rewatch that now because that is very an interesting uh, distinction. Um, yeah. Uh, so looking at looking at the um, future of D&D and critical role and everything, what do you think is coming in the, in the near future other than 6th edition? Um, is critical role ever going to retire? Let's go with that. Do you guys think a critical role is ever going to retire? If so, are they just going to retire the cast and keep a new cast? Or what do you think? Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I think, yeah. I think eventually they call it. Um, because they, for all of the success that they've created, um, they've also created their own replacements in doing that, right? Yeah. Uh, what what Critical Role has done is basically mainstreamed, uh, you know, people watching people play their campaign. Like that wasn't a thing really before Critical Role made it big. Yeah. Uh, and now between Critical Role and Dimension Twenty and you know any number of streams on Twitch, and including ours, you know, including Fable, like there's just so many out there. 
<clears throat> that eventually Critical Role is going to decide that they're going to move on to the next bigger thing. You know, maybe they decide to produce more. Maybe they decide to it's time to just call it quits and retire. Maybe they decide to focus solely on the writing and creating aspect of it because they do such a good job with yeah. creating content for D&D that's homebrew. It's amazing. But uh, not one single part of me believes that they will continue on past another five years or so. Um, especially like Travis and, and Laura have a kid now. You know, there's going to reach yeah. a point where it's just not plausible for them. And, you know, you'll see those staple members of Critical Role rotate out. And, it, you know, at what point does Matt Mercer get burned out? Uh, at what point does Marisha Ray get burned out? Uh, you know, like, and you can you have the introduction of guys like Robbie Damon. Like, and you guys know, I'm I'm a huge Robbie Damon fanboy from day one of the this season of Critical Role, I fell in love with Robbie. Uh, as his character and him as a person. Uh, but I just don't think that it's, it's there to continue on for much longer than, again, maybe another four or five years. There's yeah. just going to be, it's going to become a saturated market. Yeah, well, and like you alluded to it, they, they are setting themselves up. I mean, Robbie's like going to fan expos now. Um, he also has the best double nat 20 I've seen in my life. Have you seen the, the video <laughs> of him double nat 20? Yep, yep, yep. That would never happen. Holy shit! It's like the coolest nat 20 ever. Um, yeah, and, and they did, they did mention they wanted to do at least two spinoffs per, uh, two spinoff series on Amazon per campaign. So if they do that, I mean, there's no way. They're gonna have to, like, get a new crew in there or something because, um, they all said, I think Sam was the, the biggest proponent of it, but they all said they wanted to go full-time into the voice acting and, like, basically their real jobs, but for a massive thing, which is Vox Machina and Vox Machina. Because Vox yep. Machina is probably going to be four seasons if you look at their arcs. And they said two spinoffs off of it. And then they wanted to do two spinoffs off of, I imagine, three seasons, maybe four seasons of Campaign 2. Um so yeah, they're going to be so busy in the next five years. I totally agree. I think they're going to just supplement those care. I think someone like Liam might be like the one who stays in for the longest or something. Someone who just is too in love with it, and he might be the person playing forever. Um, but I think everybody else will eventually go in and out of it, and there'll be NPCs or something at some time. But or is, is Talison? Is he married or have family or anything? Uh, I'm not sure what Talison's what he's doing. He could play Talison, for a long time too. I, 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 Talison might be the other one. Um, but like you said, yeah, Matt Mercer, he's got to get burned out eventually, too. That guy puts in a shit ton of work and writing and stuff like that. And and he probably works outside of uh, Critical Role a lot, writing with Wizard and things like that. I don't, I think his, um, I think his uh, scenes are getting easier for him be just because he has collected so much probably from Dwarven Forge which has helped him out a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, so that probably helps him out a lot. But he still has to think about those things. Like, oh, I got to map this out. And, you know, he has to make like six scenes, uh, you know, a, a, a game be just because he leaves it so open-ended for them to play. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's, 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 I think, yeah, Chris has probably got it right. About another five years, probably maybe after this campaign. Um, everybody's going to be like, it's time to go live their lives. They created a beautiful thing. Um, do I think he'll continue on? 
that's I don't think it'll go away um, but uh... oh we lost Cisco everybody they're coming back I'm back yeah you came on and Cisco got kicked off <laughs> well we're while we're waiting for Cisco everyone uh, go to c4labs.com and use promo code RPD15 for your brand new dice tray alright he's back yeah that was perfect. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was actually a good radio voice. Not as good as Dandy's. Dandy's got the best impromptu radio yeah. voice in, in the biz. Andy's um, got just a gorgeous voice altogether. I'm jealous of that man's and, voice. Andy. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. Uh, so we, we played uh, we played uh, two shot at the fan expo, and, and Mr. Dandy DM uh, was invited, and he came the second night, and we were playing, and... Uh, it was kind of impromptu. We were all kind of doing funny voices. I basically did LSP from Adventure Time. Uh, and we were all doing funny voices. Well, someone had mentioned, like, hey, why don't you just do a Boston accent? Because he said, like, yeah. He's like a weird he's like a weird something. And then he pulled off this amazing Boston accent for the rest of the night. Um, so, you know, shout out to Dandy DM. Really, really talented player. Love playing with him. Harrietta, you dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys got to go watch that. Um it's incoherent to say the least, but it was a great time. Yeah, the first day, I think the first day it was super, like it was super fun, and then uh, we picked up pretty quickly in the first day. The second day, you gotta get through that first hour, but as soon as you get through that first hour, oh my goodness, it just goes crazy afterwards. I, I, there's a lot of chances of times I'm just like, yeah, just do your thing, whatever. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean there are periods of because i was re-watching it i'm cutting it up to make some audio clips out of it um you know because like i said i want to take the audio clipped up and do some animation over it to make like a youtube video or something yeah but there are sections of that video if you go back and re-watch it where it's just straight laughter for like <laughs> a solid two to three minutes where it's just us laughing yeah. nobody can speak we're laughing so hard and it's not uh, just like yeah. normal laughter it's high pitch it, uh, like to the point that you know laughter is contagious right infectious yeah that, like i was just sitting in my recliner re-watching this video not even watching it listening to it right yeah and i was just cracking up <laughs> because it was it was so entertaining man yeah, yeah one, at time. one point i was just like i have tears i have so many tears it's like all the way yeah. down to my chin i was laughing so hard my tears were coming down my chin it was yeah it's it's so a it, it was a fun game for sure um, so check it out, and then you know, waiting for Chris to, to make those edits. Um, let's. Uh, I'll ask you guys the same question I ask all the guests, uh, uh, and that is the last question. Usually, is where do you see yourself with with D and D? Lot you know, next five, ten, fifteen years. Cisco, we'll start with you. Where do you see yourself with D and D in the future? Like right here with you, fuckers. Uh, that's. I mean, honestly, it's like doing this with you guys in uh, five years. Five years is the goal full-time doing this i think that's doable completely i think we uh we have some i think we had a huge learning experience in the fan expo weekend and um now that we've met more people we're just going to continue to meet more people and i think the rpd group might be might grow in the near future with maybe more members um that might see the potential of this. Uh, there's a couple individuals I don't want to specifically say, but um, 
that I would love to see. I want to see a recurring game weekly. Uh, it's going to have to be online, but eventually I want it to be in person. Um, there's a couple individuals, especially one person that I would love to see be a part of RPT full time. Um, very professional and a very good player slash DM. Um, and then doing this full time, man. I could be working 80 hours, 90, 120 hours a week. Let's just say I just don't, I don't sleep, screw it. And I would still love doing this for myself and for everybody else around me because I know what D&D brings to the table, and that's a community that is just love and uh, just love and just creativity and brings out brings everybody together between artists and role players and cosplayers and all that. It just brings everybody together um, and. Why wouldn't you want to be a part of something like that? It's just mind-boggling. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, Chris, what about you in in the future, a uh, couple of years? Where do you see yourself uh, or us in D&D? Man, that's uh, it's kind of a loaded question, isn't it? Like, I, uh, I don't see role-playing degenerates going anywhere, right? Um, when this thing first started... It was kind of on a whim, you know, and uh, it, w- it was kind of slow at first. And then uh, me and Tyler got to talking about doing the TikTok uh, and and then we got to talking about doing the Discord. Um, and it felt like it felt like I was overwhelmed at first, like between building a discord and moderating a discord and trying to get people into it and maintain activity throughout the day. And then also come up with ideas for TikTok content and edit those videos and remember to post them. And it was a lot on top of playing D and D end games and trying to build one shots so that other people could play. Uh, I was extremely overwhelmed there. Like there was a point where I was just so gassed that I was ready to just like, step away for a while um and then tyler like it was like you knew you could tell i was getting burned out and you're like i'm gonna help with the tiktok uh and you started helping make tiktoks and you started being way more active in the discord and bringing people in and it was like all right every other day now i can i can focus on it and then steve you got really invested in it uh and it was like man okay so me and steve like we're on the same wavelength on the business side of things. Like every time you talk business side, it's like, yep, you're reading my thoughts. Yeah, uh, sure. and, and Tyler on the creative side, right? Like it's like you're right here all the time. Like you're reading my thoughts. And it's so nice because the last couple of weeks, I thought I was going to have that overwhelmed feeling, but I don't, you know? And like I've started doing more of the behind the scenes stuff recently uh, and less of a you know putting my face in tiktok videos tyler you've been doing a lot more of the videos steve's been starting to do the videos um eh, man it's it's been so much nicer so and as far as five years from now not just still being here doing this but like my long-term goal is everybody wants to monetize you know like that's obviously a goal but for me it's i want to set up and host free games at the local junior high or the local high school once a month or every other week where, you know, kids 
parents need childcare. Send them to D and D club. You know, uh, kids who need a club or an outlet, but aren't athletic or have no desire to play sports. You know, or don't feel like they fit in. They can come and explore that creative outlet that is D and D. I discovered it personally way too late in my life. I wish I had had D and D when I was younger. Uh, so I want to be able to provide that to the next generation. You know, that's, that's my long-term goal. That's what I see in, in five, 10 years is, is not necessarily a charity, but you know, RPD hosted. I've already got a name for it in my head, but I'm not going to say it out loud yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, an, an RPD, uh, hosted games, uh, for, for the youth kids locally. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's, that's, I mean, we kind of, all three of us, first of all, before I get into that, like, it's weird how we have this weird trifecta, and for those of you who, like, want to know what content creation is all about, it's all about, like, failures and trying to figure out how to work around that, and um, you can do it with multiple people, like, like, I was not involved in TikTok at all, I actually just don't like putting myself out there, but I've been more, create like, focused on creating good content and that that headspace makes me more comfortable doing it so for those of you who want to create or those of you who are looking to like break past that like 10,000 follower plus barrier um don't be afraid to fail and learn from it because i think that's the biggest thing we learn is is we have like a thousand ideas and they all set, they all feel like a hundred percent full throttle but a week later things change and it's not a hundred percent you learn day by day or experience by experience so um for those of you out there who want to get into content content creation, not even in D&D, I think we would all agree, like, be prepared to eat giant plates of shit, and successes come every once in a while if you stay focused and you're on track, um, which has been my experience with it. As long as, you know, we keep moving in some sort of the right direction, you keep keep going, it ends up working out. Uh, but that's awesome, Chris, as far as giving back, because I think that's what we all want to do at the end of this, is give back to the community that... You know, it's, it's awesome for us. And speaking of giving back, um, we're going to be doing a charity event in late September um, with StoryForge. That's really all I'm going to say right now because nothing's 100% final. But we're going to be doing a charity event with uh, StoryForge and some other content creators. So uh, be looking out for that in the future uh, sometime late September. So if anybody wants to donate to a good charity, which is looks like it's going to be MVG, Military and Veterans Gaming, um, Reach out to us, and we'll get you set up for when the stream starts so we can do that. Um, other than that, in closing, uh, is there anything you guys want to say before we uh, sign off here? Cisco, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah. Um, I want to thank the community. You guys are all wonderful people. You can ask for anything better. Um, and uh, I'd like to apologize. I haven't been live much lately on TikTok. Uh, I got burned out like Chris did. Um, it's very exhausting uh, to be talking to yourself uh, when it gets dry, um, and it mentally put a toll on me. And it's very and to stay motivated when you're men- you have a mental toll on yourself, it's difficult. So I'm slowly building myself back up. Uh, expect to see live soon. Uh, I have plenty of minis to paint, um, and uh, I have some scenery to make uh, diorama stuff for Steve's home games and our home games. Uh, hopefully Chris will be joining us here soon. And there's actually some really good potential to be having an in-home stream game. So look out for stuff like that. So uh, 
off to Chris. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, again, uh, tip of that to the community. Like, I never viewed myself as a content creator. You know, I did, I tried the Twitch stream thing on my own for a while and just never really broke through. Um, but I think it was because I wasn't in the place that, like, I felt like I belonged. And D&D is that. Uh, it fosters my love of, of writing with my love of fantasy, with my love of playing games. You know, it's everything all at once it's it's fantastic um and if you guys <clears throat> if you guys have any interest in um being on the podcast or jumping on our discord and playing uh in a one shot or a full campaign or whatever reach out message us on twitch message us on tiktok um email us you know whatever you got to do but you know we're we're not exclusive at all like Everybody is welcome. We want more people to get in there. Um, we're going to be running more games again. Uh, I had a dry spell with, with writing one shots, but I just turned it back on here after Fan Expo where the ideas are kind of flowing again. So I'm going to set up a, uh, an all newbies and all rookies one shot for people who've never played before in the, in the Discord to get that going. But, uh, yeah, just, We'd love to see more people involved. Um, we'd love to do more collaboration with other content creators. And we'd love to, to have more and fresh perspectives for the podcast. So please don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Um, and for my five-year goal for this RPD, we're still going to be going strong, obviously. Um, but for everyone who's watching, I just want to say I appreciate it, too. Um, and we'll be looking to do maybe these these RPD only podcasts probably either when someone's not scheduled for a Thursday or maybe we'll schedule one like once a month or something outside so we can all talk um, so you guys can see us all because it is kind of weird how we talk to some people and they're like wait aren't you RPD like well there's three of us but um, yeah I just wanted to say thank thanks for everyone and uh, so for everyone who wants to know more about us just connect with us otherwise keep rolling dice uh and we'll see you guys next time bye guys